I'm Luke Story. I'm Christine Loria. I'm Natasha Kingsbury. I'm Angie Check. Hi, I'm Ricky Lake. I'm Dr. Aaron Eugwin McMorrow. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart. I'm Bliss Young. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. I'm James Goodlatte. I'm Kyle Kingsbury. I'm Lily Nichols. I'm Mark Groves. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Jesse Golden. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein. I'm Marin Green. I'm Kelly Brogan, MD. Je m'appelle Rick Safries, et c'est le podcast du gynécologue holistique. Hello, I'm Paul Check, and this is the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back, fam. This is episode, gosh, what episode are we on? 87. It's a good number. Sidney Crosby's number. I used to be a big hockey fan. He was my favorite hockey player after Mary Lemieux. I'm a Pittsburgh boy. What can I say? I don't really watch sports anymore, but that was somebody that I uh, honored and admired when I was young and playing sports myself. All right, 87. We are here chatting with Rachel Veritimos. Rachel has an interesting story, and I'm going to share that after I uh, tell you a little bit about our sponsors. So our first sponsor is Bioptimizers. And um, Bioptimizers is really like, people aren't a stranger to this to this company more. A friend of mine, Wade Lightheart, started the company years ago, and he oversees the entire process. He puts his heart and soul into this, and he really, really understands a holistic approach to health, which is, again, not just natural. It's There's an energy that is embodied in certain supplement companies, and Wade just radiates light. So Having his company as a sponsor in the show is kind of a no-brainer, especially when you give it all of the things that a person could do to keep themselves healthy, diet, movement, hydration, etc. Sleep is the number one neglected uh, component to any effort to optimize lifestyle. So if you find that you struggle with falling asleep at night or if you wake up in the morning and you feel super groggy, you need to like, crank down a whole pot of coffee in order to like juice yourself up for the day, try this. Go to magbreakthrough.com slash holistic OBGYN, pick up a bottle of their Mag Breakthrough. Just start with one bottle for now. If you take two capsules 30 minutes before bed with a tall glass of water, I guarantee you're going to feel better in the morning. And when, you know, I am proven correct, I want you to go back there, buy some extra bottles, and if you get three bottles or more, you get some extra goodies from Bioptimizers, all of which sit in my medicine cabinet right in my kitchen next to the fridge. Masszymes, P3OM, which is their probiotic, it's like the Navy SEAL of probiotics, HCL breakthrough. HCL is, is hydrochloric acid. It's what your stomach produces to help digest food. And what your doctor will tell you if you have reflux is you need to stop the acid production because you're, you're experiencing the symptom of pain from the burniness of that acid refluxing. The issue with that, that, uh, that diagnosis and treatment plan is that if you're getting reflux, it's, it's not that you have too much acid. It's that you have too little acid and the food is not being digested. So instead of going into the small intestine from the stomach, it regurgitates back up into your esophagus, causing that burning feeling. All of this is to say that Bioptimizers, not only do they make a great sleep aid in Mag Breakthrough, they also have a whole variety of compounds in order to optimize your gut health, your digestion, your microbiome, and to minimize the impacts of poorly digested food in the stomach by adding acid through HCL Breakthrough versus taking acid away, which is what your doctor would do, which is to block the acid. So go to magbreakthrough.com slash holisticobgyn. Try Mag Breakthrough. You're going to love it for your sleep. And on top of that, if you guys buy three bottles or more, there's all sorts of free goodies provided at no cost to you from Bioptimizers. And the reason they do that is they know it works. They're like, we ain't shitting. Go and try it out for yourself. You are definitely going to be happy with how you feel, how you digest, 
how you uh, wake up in the morning. Our next um, sponsor is Organifi. Organifi um, makes a wide variety of, uh, of products. I um, really love their vanilla protein. I love their red juice, which I've talked about before. Today, I want to talk a little bit about their Organifi Gold. So I stopped drinking a while ago, and I feel freaking fantastic. And at nighttime, if I'm super stressed out during the day, I used to turn to like a glass of wine or whatever else, but I don't do that. Instead, because wine really disrupts the, your gut health, it, it messes with your sleep. You never actually fully get into the deep sleep the deep sleep cycles. Instead, why not try something like Organifi Gold? Organifi Gold has a, a host of, of um, functional mushrooms. It contains turmeric, which um, has all sorts of antioxidant properties, helps support your immune system. Um, it helps support those sore muscles from your hard workout the day before. It has lemon balm. It has reishi mushroom, turkey tail, both adaptogenic, very potent functional mushrooms. It has ginger, some coconut milk, some Cylon cinnamon. I've always wondered if I'm saying Cylon right. Sounds like something from Battlestar Galactica. Um, And uh, magnesium chloride, which of course, just like we said with with bioptimizers, magnesium is a key to getting the most restful sleep. Um, You blend all of that up into hot water, and the, the trick is, and Kyle Kingsbury taught, taught me this, if you add some heavy like coconut cream milk, you know, t- just full fat into your cup and froth it up with like one of those frothers you get from like Mudwater or Amazon, <laughs> um, you're going to get this delicious sleep tonic that um, goes great with mag breakthrough and will help ease you into your sleep and get you the most restful sleep as opposed to something like alcohol, which totally takes away the pizzazz of a restful night. So if you want to try out Organifi, go to Organifi.com slash Beloved. You'll save some money. You'll support our sponsors. And we really can't do this without our sponsors, guys. They really support us. And I'm entrusting it to my audience to support them because I wouldn't even have them as sponsors if I didn't fully believe in what they do. And I know Drew Canoli, the owner of Bioptimizers, or uh, of Organifi, and he is a class act. He's an incredible guy. So go check them out. Our last sponsor today is Terenco. Um, I found them on TikTok and I was, uh, I, I don't know why that popped up, but I had been searching for some dental care products ever since I found a biologic dentist and I started using Revitin toothpaste. Um, I ran out of Revitin and it was almost like TikTok was listening. And I found Terenco. They make um, oil pools. So I ordered their green, their, their gentle green oil pool, went back to my biologic dentist and the oil pool works like this. You take out, you know, your, your mouth guard or whatever at night in the morning before you brush your teeth, you swish the oil around in your mouth for like two, three, five minutes um, while you're getting some things together. And then you brush your teeth with a, a really biologic you know, toothpaste that doesn't have um, fluoride and everything in it. Terranco also makes an amazing toothpaste. So now, so I was using the green pool, went back to my bio- biologic dentist and like, I, you know, for a routine checkup and they were like, oh my God, your gums are like, they're not inflamed at all anymore. And the oil pool works underneath the gums between the teeth and pulls all of that junk from out, out from underneath the gums, decreases inflammation. And if you have any concept of biologic dentistry, the, the, you know, even the work of Weston A. Price kind of lends itself to this, that the health of your mouth, your gums, your teeth is reflective of the health of your entire body. So Terranco makes all of their products, including a toothpaste, two types of oil pools. They also have a dental floss, a tongue scraper. All of their products are made through the lens of Ayurveda, which is all ab- about reharmonizing with your environment as, as opposed to applying something that is not natural to your body to get your body to do something that it doesn't want to do. Their, green, uh, their, their, their gentle green oil pool 
is my favorite product, but um, you should check out all of their all of their things. If you go to the link in the show description, it'll take you directly to a discount portal, or you can use code Beloved15. You'll save 15% on your purchase. This gentle green oil pull, I was just looking at the ingredients before this, and it contains something called itridroxyapatite, some neem oil, hemp oil, matcha green tea, and all these other natural ingredients. Take that, flip over your conventional Colgate fluoride-containing tooth, toothpaste. You're not going to be able to even pronounce half of the words. And that's why I love Terra & Co. so much. So go to terraandco, T-E-R-R-A and co.com. Use code BELOVED15 or just go to the link directly in the show description. You'll save 15% on some of the best dental care stuff on the planet as far as I'm concerned. My biologic dentist was like blown away. They don't sell this product, but I, I bet now that I've told them about it, they're going to be reaching out to Terranco and carrying that along with uh, some of their other more natural uh, dental products. All right, guys, support our sponsors. They definitely keep our show afloat. Thank you um, so much to Bioptimizers, Organifi, and Terranco for, uh, for entrusting me with their brand. All right, my guest today, back to Rachel. Rachel Veritimos is a an intuitive, uh, let's, let's call her a, she hosts retreats. She's an integrative health coach, but her focus is how can we, instead of following a shopping list of ingredients in order to eat well, what if we inspired a more intuitive approach? In other words, if you close your eyes, put your hands on your chest, one on your lower dantian, below your belly button, one on your chest, and you just ask, sort of ask your soul, what is it that I'm craving right now? That craving is actually going to reflect something in your body that's lacking. That's the nature of intuitive eating. And it's a lot harder than I made it just sound. But it is something that can be practiced and learned and then adopted as a new habitual way of eating. Rachel comes from a Jewish family who sent her to a camp, which was, you know, in her words, it was like fat camp, like heavyweights, the movie. And we get into that. But when she came out of that, she actually developed a bit of a disordered pattern of eating. She was sort of afraid of calories, afraid of food, as opposed to honoring and acknowledging the nourishment that comes with food. And at her retreats, this is the entire focus. Yes, you can go and do CrossFit and do all these other things, but if you're not being, if you're not able to tap into what does my body need right now, then your food choices uh, you know, end up just being a list of eat this and don't eat this. And that is not very balanced. That is not intuitive. And you may not even, even though it's on the healthy list based on your paleo CrossFit coaches recommendations, it may not be the right food for you. That's where intuition comes into play. So a good friend of mine, Paul Check, is um, <laughs> sort of notorious for, you know, his wife, Penny, his two wives, Angie and Penny. And Penny will go and she does a lot of the meal prepping and whatnot. She's like, Paul, what do you want? What, what type of meat do you want? We have ostrich, we have lamb, and we have chicken, you know, something like that. And he'll close his eyes and it'll be like, it seems like an eternity, but he's actually just tapping into his soul. And then he'll answer because he knows that there is going to be some amino acid profile in one of these meats that's actually going to work best with his needs right now. And the guy's wor- you know, working hard, nonstop, all day long. And it serves him. And he knows that if he doesn't do that, it's perhaps going to take him down the wrong path, even if it is, quote, grass-fed and, and super healthy. So Rachel's a real gift. I know you're going to love this episode. Let's get into the conversation now. Rachel Veritimos, thank you for coming. We're going to try this again. We just recorded an amazing podcast, and uh, <laughs> and my recorder didn't pick it up, so we're going to do it again. Thank you again for, for giving me some grace and sharing some time with me today. 
You're so welcome. As we talked about, the universe was like, that was great, guys, but you need to do it again. So it's It's about to be way better. The producer of in the cosmos was like, "Mm, no, you guys, you're going to have to go a little deeper this time. We're going to have to go like, we got to show more skin, you know, figuratively and literally. Um, Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for feeling that way. I also feel like you could go, you know, off of this call later and be like, that Dum dumb. And I I would have to accept that too. So <laughs> you're you're good. As you as I said before, I've made stupid mistakes like this before. They're not even stupid. They're just meant to be. And we're about to have an amazing podcast. So I'm yeah. really excited for round two. Let's do it. Let's do it. Rachel, share why don't you share with everybody a little bit about your story? Because uh, I think that in order to understand what you're providing for people through your retreats which I am stoked to maybe be a part of someday. I don't know. I have to, you know, figure that out in my schedule. Let's, let's talk a little bit about your, about your story, your journey from early on in, uh, as a child, because I think it's a compelling. You got it. Well, first of all, I will say they are for women only right now. I've had so many okay. men who say <laughs> they want to go and I've debated doing a co-ed. So I'll let you know for future. Well, let me also piggyback on that and say that there is a really, really important reason for women to also have a space for women. Like everything is co-opted by men. So if your retreats always remained just for women, I also think that there's an important reason for that. And I will continue to cheer from the sidelines and push as many women your way as possible. So I'll just, I'll leave it at that. (laughs) Heck yeah. Heck yeah. All right. So my story. So my story starts when I was nine. When I was nine, I was an obese kid, very highly sensitive, didn't talk to anyone, had very few friends, closet ate. Um, I know I also told you before, Nathan, that my it's pretty ironic because my mom was very healthy. So my mom has worked out my whole life. Uh, She started working out in her early 20s and never stopped. And so she was always, we never could have the zebra cakes in the house. We couldn't have the snowballs, all the things that kids were eating. So I went to friends' houses. That's when I would eat them. Mm, Zebra cakes. I remember zebra cakes fondly, but yeah, go on. (laughs) Right? They were so good. They were so good when I'd get to have them. So my mom always worried about me not having friends. And she always also worried about me being obese. And she took me to all of these doctors and she really planted the idea in my head that there was something seriously wrong with me. It was not intentional on her part. She just worried so much that I believe the reason I didn't have friends was because I was fat because my mom would say that, that she was worried about that. And also I just worried that I didn't know how to be a normal human. And that's why I didn't talk. And so One day I was in my basement. My parents had all these VHS tapes of camps, (laughs) sleepaway camps. I'm also, I'm Jewish. And this is a side note. Jewish people tend to go to sleepaway camp. So I think it was just normal. My town was a very Jewish town. All the kids were doing it. So if your parents didn't have a bunch of VHSs in your basement (laughs) for you to go to sleepaway camps, it's, it's normal. You know, I, since you mentioned that, I didn't realize you were Jewish, but yeah, all of my Jewish friends grew up going to sleepaway camps. I didn't realize that there were some that were like catered towards, hey, let's get your weight under, under control or, or whatever. Um, I guess, yeah, the VHS thing is, uh, that was an opportunity for our parents to slip in any little subliminal messaging that they wanted to um, when we were kids. And, um, but yeah, go t- tell us about the camps. Yeah, my parents, I think our parents just want to get rid of us. So they're like, (laughs) oh, look at this tape. So one of the tapes was this weight loss camp called Camp Shane, which 
Heavyweights, the movie, was based off of, which is pretty crazy. We actually yeah. watched that movie when we were at summer camp, too. And Hollywood does a nice job of like, oh, what a fun camp. But it was actually like a lot of kind of mind control, kind of not so healthy, whatever, communication to kids about their weight, I'm guessing. Yeah. So it was exercising all day long. Oof. And I will also preface by saying I went to that camp different than all the other kids because most of the kids went to that camp because their parents told them they had to go. Mm. I begged my parents to let me go to this camp. I thought there was something seriously wrong with me. And they promised if you went for six weeks, you could lose 20 pounds. So we get there, you exercise all day long. There's a dining hall. I thought the food was disgusting. So I didn't eat much of the food. I was oh, a pretty picky eater. Yeah. And yeah. after we ate, they had this big hill at the camp that you'd have to walk up, which is a huffing puffing hill. Like you're going to be out of breath by the time you get up that hill. <laughs> um, so they also taught that habit. You eat food and then you walk up a really long, steep hill where you want to die. <laughs> and I get home from the camp and I lost 23 pounds in six weeks. I, I reached my goal. I surpassed my goal. But what that camp taught me was if you eat very little and exercise all day, since, you know, I didn't like the food and didn't eat very much of it, you'll lose weight fast. And I yeah. lost weight faster than all of the other kids. So when I got home, I was obsessed with dieting and staying thin because I thought the reason I didn't have friends was because I was overweight. Mm. Um, that's what my mom had worried about. And I had met some friends at the weight loss camp because they were obese like I was. I found some like-minded kids. Yeah, yeah. And so ever since then, from 9 up until college, I would stay up until 3 a.m. studying diets and how to be thin and all of these things. And I would try all of the diets, constantly yo-yo dieting, definitely disordered eating. Had some bouts where people asked my parents if I was anorexic, which was at awesome. the time very offensive to me. <laughs> and when I look back, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I was anorexic for sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then I went to college for nutrition because I thought, oh, I healed my childhood obesity and I'm going to help other kids heal their childhood obesity. And at the same time, I hadn't figured out the cure or the answer because I was still studying how can you eat a diet? I wanted it to be easier than it was. It was so much stress, so much pressure. So I graduate college with my degree in nutrition. And after that point, I hit a rock bottom. I was really disappointed because I had spent all my, basically my whole life, the majority of my life trying to fix myself and be thin without having to try so hard. And I thought after I learned everything, I would know the answer. And I didn't, I was more stuck than ever. Yeah. I was more anxious than ever. And so I got, you know, when you hit a rock bottom, you just give up type thing, or you, you make a hard pivot. So the hard pivot I made was I can't look at one more piece of nutrition research. I'm done. And I just started going back to the basics. I knew certain nutrients. I needed to get some fruits, veggies, protein, you know, maybe some quinoa and some greens. I, I knew the basics and I just started noticing when I was hungry, I would eat and I would eat as many nutrients as possible. And when I was full, I would stop. And I ended up eating more frequently throughout the day using that method because I'd be hung. I'd listen to my hunger cues and I would eat. And 
over time, what I noticed, because I was focusing on getting nutrition in as opposed to shaping my body, yeah. I had more energy than ever. I was happier than ever. And my weight stabilized at a weight that I had always tried to be at, but worked so hard to be at. And mm. now I wasn't even trying. In fact, I was shoveling in as many nutrients as possible and just listening to my body. So through that process, that's when I had this huge epiphany where I was like, oh my God, all I had to do was listen to myself. All I had to do was notice how things felt. I didn't have to learn all of these things. I didn't have to try a million diets. I literally just had to notice how I felt when I ate certain foods and eat when I was hungry, stop when I was full. So that's my backstory that I know I told at our first recording. Right? Yeah, no, it's, and it's great. It was even better this time. I promise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bound to say that because you're so generous with your time. Speaking of the re-recording thing, Paul check has had three hour recordings, a good friend of ours. And he has realized that the quality was off or somebody's mic wasn't working and they've had to actually re-record the whole thing. So we're not going for three hours. This is, this is not me trying to make myself feel better, but it is like, you know, what happens to the best of us, but I digress. Um, Nathan, make yourself feel better. You deserve it. <laughs> I'm just going to lash myself all day. Uh, I'm thinking back to that little Rachel, mini Rachel, who's overweight, who wants to go to this camp to lose weight. And the, the, the camp itself seems sort of like the biggest loser format, right? Where they it maybe isn't directly shaming you, but it's sort of making you feel like, hey, do you need that other serving or portion or whatever? And um, I'm thinking back to like little Rachel and I'm wondering, you know, I don't know if they were teaching intuitive eating at the camp in the way that you maybe are teaching it to your clients, but I'm really thoughtful about, you know, some kids come out of that and they become even more averse to exercise and dieting because it, this wasn't fun. This made me feel worse about myself, that emotional body's being impacted in a detrimental way. On the other hand, it also, like you said, develops perhaps a pattern that would be identifiable as an anorexia or fear of, of eating anything, right? So you end up with these two extremes. You found yourself in the middle and I'm really thoughtful about what was different about you in that experience? Like, do you remember feeling shame after the camp or was there something already building in your intuitive process from what you learned at this camp that carried forward that didn't actually lend itself to a life of, of food phobia and a life of, of dieting for the purpose of just being thin or whatever else? Like, like how did you emerge from that? And if a parent, parents out there, out there, you know, listening and they're thinking about their child, how can they avoid one of those two extremes for their child? Like, what is the secret ingredient you think in a camp like that for kids when you want them to be healthy, but you don't want them to also develop a bad relationship with food? Well, I believe I did develop a bad relationship with food from that camp. And that's why I was dieting to the extreme. So I would... I eat very little and get to that anorexic looking body size. And then I would get comfortable and start eating more and indulging in food and binge eating and gain another 20, 30 pounds again. And then I'd go back to losing the weight. And I would, I believe that it was really the rock bottom. And I don't know, you know, people can get stuck in this dieting cycle their whole life. When I think about why was I able to get out of it after college and I don't know how other people live their lives, but I do know this about me. I have an obsessive personality when mm. I have a strong desire. Oh, that desire is the only thing that matters in my life. Yeah. Literally the only thing. And 
I drove myself to being so obsessed. And when you obsess over something for so long, you will hit a, a wall. And it's kind of like how we talked about the pre-recording when I talk about one of the ways that people can get into intuitive eating if they feel like they can't trust themselves with, let's say, cake, is allow yourself to eat as much cake as you want for a month. And you'll likely get sick of it because you'll binge on it too many times. You'll know the feeling feels horrible. Mm-hmm. And then you won't want cake as much. So I think what I did was in that short period of time, I inundated myself with so much information and it took up so much of my mental space throughout the day that the rock bottom that came was, I just can't even think about this for one more second. And that's when the pendulum swung to the middle. I really see it looking, um, you know, we swing between pendulums a lot. We swing between the, this extreme to the other extreme. And I believe it's when we get exhausted of the extremes that, and we just start listening to our body and we stop using our mind as much to control it. We let go of the control a little bit because we're so tired of controlling that we find the middle. Yeah, totally. And I also think it's because I had a nutrition background in a way, but I think everyone knows this where they know oh, we got to eat fruits, vegetables, chicken. It's, it's pretty basic, right? Um, that when I went to eating it, when I went to eat it, I didn't want to be in that stress cycle so badly that I just focused on the food and how I felt. Yeah. And that got me out of it. It could have been luck that my mind got me there, or it could have been that I just hit such a rock bottom. I couldn't stand going between the extremes anymore. Yeah. You use the word intuition a lot, and, and it's a it's an important part, I think, of your journey. What what is intuition? Like, you know, it's it's become a bit of a buzzword. People think that uh, it's this comes from this like crunchy, mushy space inside, and we shouldn't listen to that because we're so caught up in the critical thinking, the data collection, what we what we're taught in most educational programs. So, what does intuition mean to you? What do you tell people who are confronted by that? Oh, I have a, um, a couple different ways to describe intuition. So I'll first describe how I found it with food. So, and I really see that being the problem with science these days mm. is everyone is so obsessed with the research and knowing what it is they're eating and what they eat is based on a knowing, not a feeling in their mm. body. So when I got into the intuitive eating and I started noticing, oh, my body feels really light and energized when I eat these foods or, Oh, my body feels kind of heavy and yucky. When I eat these foods, I started learning. I started tapping into my intuition, into the feelings that were also connected to an outcome in my mind, if that makes sense, it's feelings connected to an outcome. And so when I would go to eat something, I would imagine, let's say I'm at a restaurant, I would imagine eating this meal and how it would feel afterwards. And then I would imagine eating this other meal and how it would feel afterwards. And whichever one felt better afterwards, I would eat that one. (laughs) And a big part of this too, was every food option that I gave myself tasted really good. Cause I believe that's a huge part about following your intuition. It's not like, oh, I should eat this plain chicken and broccoli. And I imagine that's going to feel better. Honestly, what would feel better to me is if I had plain chicken and broccoli with pesto on it and some uh, hemp seeds and anything to add a little extra flavor and yum and, you know, zhuzh to it. So I'd probably go with the the more (laughs) zhuzhed up meal, right? Um, But I'd say that's one way to tap into your intuition is imagine the end result of something. Mm. How would you feel at the end result? When we imagine the process, it's harder to connect to our intuition because our mind gets involved 
And it, it's kind of like when you sell coaching too, when you go to sell coaching, you don't want to actually coach someone on the call because then they'll get into all the work that they have to do. You want to really focus on the end result because they get excited about the end result. The end result is the North star, uh, focusing on the process it puts you much more in the left brain because you start thinking about how hard it's going to be and all these things. Another way to tap into intuition, and I'm really big on this, is I believe intuition is just a connection to your feelings. And I believe that's why so many women, where we say women are more intuitive than men, no, it's just women are tend to be more connected to their feelings than men. So an example that I have is when I first started my business, it was about six months in, I barely had any clients, didn't really know what I was doing. And I saw this psychic and she told me in my past life, I used to travel around to different states and set up art schools and institutions and all these things. And when she said that, I got this idea in my head, I should host a retreat since that was clearly my past life. So I must have something (laughs) in me that can host a retreat. And everything in my body got so excited. My heart lit up. I was just so on board with the idea of hosting a retreat, even though I had no clients. And I went to writing about what my retreat was like, as if it had already happened a year ago. And I wrote where it was. I wrote all these things. And after writing about it, it made me even more excited. And I was at one of my mentor, Mark England, at the Times House. And he had like 20 coaches there. So I went around to everyone and their mother and I made them listen to my manifestation because I was so excited. And what I, what I also find is that when you have that passion, that excitement, the feeling that drives you forward and it's there enough that can overcome any fear because the excitement and passion pushes you past the fear because the fear was still there. Let me, let me be clear about that. So I get home from my mentor's house after reading everyone and their mother, my manifestation. And I just start calling everyone I know that I thought would be amazing for the retreat because I wanted it to be the best retreat ever. And within a month, I had the whole retreat filled out. Uh, I sold 14 spots. And mind you, like I said, I just, right. I had just started my business and it was just because I got a feeling, an expansive feeling of how something would feel afterwards. And I allowed the excitement of that feeling to carry me through and push through the fear until I've manifested into reality. And I really believe that manifestation is just you being connected to your intuition and following those sparks, those tickles that, that show up in your body. When you think about accomplishing something, when you think, Mm. think about bringing something into your reality and it, it feels a certain way and following that feeling, I believe is just following your intuition. Yeah. 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 This, this idea of, of like manifesting, I think people think that that's a mental process. And I think that's where people get held up on, on this concept of manifestation, where I, I think that, I, I don't know, I can't remember if we talked about this yet or not, but that book, The Secret, it's this idea that like this, the secret of all of the great thinkers was that they would come up with these ideas and, and, and think real hard on them. It was, that's actually what was communicated to me when I saw the film, The Secret, or you read the book. But that's, you know, you think about a bicycle and a bicycle emerges. Like, we're not talking about magic, although it is magic. It's just not from the mind. It's actually mm-hmm. from the heart. It's from your emotional body. Mm-hmm. And one of the big parts of, of like even, you know, the teaching within the Czech Institute is if, if you want to do the diet and movement and all that other stuff, yes, that's going to be helpful. But if you don't have a, a purpose, if you don't know where you're going, 
Um, and you could call it a goal or whatever else, but even your dream, like what is your love in life? What really motivates you? What inspires you? Clearly it was, it was obvious for you, but if we can't identify what inspires you, what motivates you to get up in the day and want to drink coffee and be caffeinated and go out and get, you know, and, and get it, then we really can't do any other, any of the other work. Yes. It's important to have organic produce and grass fed meat and a variety of spices and this and that. Yes, that's critical. But this manifestation piece is a little deeper. It requires a little bit of self-reflection. And manifesting, for me, I do it all the time, is like, oh, this is the thing that my heart is calling me to do. And inevitably, that goal, that North Star like you described, it gets very, very close. And it, it comes even more quickly than I had hoped when everything I'm doing is in alignment with what I'm being called to do. But if I'm not willing to look in and figure out what is it that I'm being called to do, then you're just like running the rat race nine to five all week. And it's no wonder you're unhappy with your life or your relationship or whatever else because you haven't manifested the thing that your heart really is calling, you know, is, is calling you to do. So um, even in birth work, you know, a woman's intuition is my ultimate guidepost. Like, yes, I've got all these fancy data and all this, but what is your heart telling you? What is going on with you and the baby? Things feel good or things don't feel good. That's important. Like that's actually real to me. And it should be real to everybody else, but we're so caught up in this left brain thinking that we forget about the, the sort of creative process of the cosmos, which is, I think, the driving force of, of, of what you've described as, as manifestation. Yeah, it's, it's as if science is the new religion. Mm. And oh yeah, <laughs> it's, the, it's the other side of the pendulum. If we were all spiritual before and like woo woo and telling ourselves creation stories, and that's what we were following, now we've swung to the other side, which is science. Yeah, yeah. and nothing wrong with science. There's there's a place for the left and right brain, right? Sure. But it's when we're swinging between the extremes. And so what I find is that you know when people feel stuck when they don't know what it is that they want and all of these things it's because we've been so trained to be in the left brain and to control it and to look at the studies and look at what makes sense and that's when we stop using our intuition and go for the comfort things so let's say we want to be healthy if we're not thinking about how we want to feel in the future and how we could like all the things we could do when we feel that way and all of these things. And we're just mm. thinking about today yeah. and the process and how hard it's going to be and how you're going to want cake and, and all of these things. And so you're just going to end up eating cake because you might as well do it because it would feel good today and you can start tomorrow. I see that's when we're really stuck in the left brain because the left brain keeps us trapped in our head and disconnected from our truth, our body, our intuition. And so the more you can have a practice of just, okay, how can I let go of the thoughts as much and controlling it and just breathe into my body? Mm. And maybe you can even say something out loud. So I do this as part of my coaching practice. When a client believes something that's a limiting belief, um, we breathe through it a lot and they feel the limiting belief in their body. And eventually the limiting belief is neutralized. So then we start changing the limiting belief around into slight, a slightly more positive one each time. So if it's, I can't do X, we might change it to, I could do X and they breathe and they feel it in their body. And that practice alone is so helpful for developing your intuition. Cause what people find is, oh, that limiting belief I said, after I said it with breath a bunch of times, doesn't feel like anything. It feels neutral after a while. Yeah, yeah. Now when I'm breathing in this positive one, it feels great. It feels true. And I didn't even know that that would feel true, but it just took bringing it down into the body. Yeah. Yeah. 
And in your work with women, I mean, how have you seen this this process of being guided by your intuition and manifesting, you know, better health, better relationships, better sex, whatever else? How have you seen that play out for your clients at your retreats? So if I even just think about the first retreat I had, which was last April, 2021, and then I hosted three total retreats in 2021. Um, from the first retreat, I've checked in with every single woman and some of them, one of them left her nine to five job and she started a photography business that she just mentioned. She spoke out loud at the retreat. She's full-time into that now. Rebecca Hawkins is an amazing woman. She came, she barely talked. She was very much like me when I was nine, actually. So she barely talked, wasn't very social, was really nervous. And after that first retreat, she literally a month later hosted her first charity event. Is it? And what she told wow. me was she just stepped more into herself and then she became more confident and was able to do it. So, and then I had woman manifest a house that she had always wanted. Um, and actually that same woman also manifested a dream partner who moved into that house with her about a month after the retreat and they're still living together. Amazing. <laughs> I had another woman manifest a yoga shawl at her house. They all manifested everything that they had said, more self-love, confidence, all the things. Yeah. Um, one of them traveled the country and became nomadic after the retreat because she spoke it out loud at the retreat. I believe one of the reasons a year ago, what everyone had manifested came into fruition was because at the retreat, you're really given an environment that allows you to tap into your intuition. Environment is everything when it comes to transformation, because if you're in a toxic environment and you're trying to better yourself, it's like someone yanking at your shirt and pulling you back as you're trying to walk forward. It makes it a lot harder. So at the retreat, a big part of what we do is we're constantly tapping into our intuition in various ways. Um, but it starts with letting the guard down because one of the reasons we're so in our left brain is because we're trying to control, keep ourselves safe. We don't want to let our guard down. We got to people please and all the things. So when we first get to the retreats, I always start off by telling everyone to get as vulnerable as possible because we'll get the most out of the retreat. And I talk about weird things like poop and sex. And <laughs> just I just get put that it out of the way. Yeah. yeah. We're like, we might as well just talk about it all because it's going to be all talked about this week. Yeah. And what that does is it gives women the permission to just speak out exactly why they're there and not hold back. And so as each woman shares, the next woman becomes more comfortable. And by the end of it, everyone's shared their deepest desires. And we all feel like we've known each other for years just because we've gotten that intimate and that vulnerable right off the bat. So the guard comes down. Yeah. Another big part about my retreat is I do have a big focus on intuitive eating. I've had so many women come home after my retreats and tell me, oh my God, Rachel, I finally understand how to eat well. Like it's so easy. I don't know why I made this so hard my whole life. It's just, it all clicked. And it's because. I have Kim Kesting, who is my go-to chef for the retreats. She's partners at Enlifted, and uh, we met in actually that program together. So we have very similar food views, and she'll cook bowl style, so uh, a la carte style. So let's say we're having harvest bowls. She'll make a really yummy sweet potato uh, chopped up and maybe a really yummy salad mix, different, different dressing. She'll put like nuts and different fruits and cheeses and um, seeds and sauerkraut and everything you could possibly want in a bowl. And then what we teach people to do is just choose the things that are calling to you. Choose to the things that you think would feel good and taste good. And then they're able to build their bowls on their own. And they always, I mean, everyone loves Kim's food. Kim is one of the best chefs. 
but it's very simple the way she chefs it up too. It's usually like salt and pepper and her just cooking at the right temperatures. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not that hard. People think cooking so hard. It can be a lot easier when you just relax into it. And so a woman leave one understanding how it feels to eat certain food because they're tapping into, oh, I felt so much more energized. I felt so much more clear headed. But two, they're trusting themselves with building their plate because they picked out the food based on what would feel good. Um, and then they're they're nourished and fed throughout the day. And so when women get home, they felt so good at the retreat and it tasted so good and it was so easy that they just easily bring that home. Um, but that's a big part because people don't have to think about food. It's just, it's all prepared for them. They just get to feel into it. Um, another part of what we do is I have a yoga teacher come and she does yoga every single morning and we do a meditation and we do sound healing. And so people are getting into their body in that way. And they don't have to think about coming to a yoga class. It's there for them. It's there every single day. And then we have a workshop set up for everyone for tapping more into their body and their intuition and really honing that in for people. Um, and we do a manifestation practice. So the same one I use to manifest my first retreat, I teach to all my clients and all my retreat participants, because I've used it so many times since then to manifest crazy shit into my life. It's, <laughs> it's, it's great. Yeah. And I believe the reason why the things that people write at the retreat are so powerful and all come into fruition is because they're in an environment where they don't have to think so much in their left brain. They don't have to think about what to eat. They don't have to think about timing. They don't have to think about this or that. They're just completely in flow. So when they go to write about their desires, even if they're not even sure what to write, and um, they just start with feelings. I have prompts to help people figure out what to write, uh, that they're able to tap in and then they use the feeling that they muster at the retreat. And plus they're less anxious because they're not in their left brain. So when they get home, they're so much more confident and they put the, they put the thing into motion yeah. and then they have it. Yeah. So yeah. I'm thinking about even my own life. Like if I get stressed out, I'll go in and I'll grab like a, a really, really unhealthy something, right? Like if there's candy or something, like in the hospital, when I used to work in the hospital, there was always these sugary, junky foods around. But if you're not thoughtful about it, you just go and grab it and you eat it and you eat it and you eat it. And part of my body is probably telling me I need more food. The other part of me is I can numb out the feelings of stress or whatever else by this thing, which I know is going to taste good. It's going to send a little tickle to my brain. And I want to talk a little bit about, you know, specifically about some of the diet stuff, because I think that that is really the hardest part for people. It's one thing to exercise, like that is a hard barrier for a lot of people. Usually it's not hard to get somebody who isn't super motivated to do these things to sleep more, so we can work on that. But the diet part's really, really tricky. And one thing that we had been talking about before was, was that you're right, when we take the decision-making out of the conversation, people genuinely are generally are going to go to foods that just feel right for them. They're going to be eating some more of the fats that they've been lacking or whatever else. What I do think that happens on the flip side is, okay, I'm going to eat paleo and you've got your shopping list and you've got your grass-fed beef and you've got your sweet potato and you've got your Brussels sprouts and we've got our three foods and we're going to eat those three foods because they're healthy. They're on my good shopping list. And then people after a couple of weeks realize, oh, I'm still hungry. What is going on? That six ounce steak isn't filling me up anymore. What is it about the variety? I mean, let's talk a little bit about variety of foods because my my gut is telling me, <laughs> my gut is telling me that even if you're eating healthy, if you're not checking in with the 
process of eating, you know, being very thoughtful about why you're hungry, about what you're eating. Maybe you're not even hungry. Maybe you're thirsty. I think people end up tending to this, this sort of algorithmic way of doing it because it's healthy. I just need these three foods, but then they end up nutrient deplete in other ways. So can you talk a little bit about specifically how you talk to clients about the dieting experience and uh, some language you used before was like the spice of life, the spice of your diet, um, keeping things, keeping a variety of things, you know, whether it's dieting or otherwise. But let's talk specifically about food because you're, you're also a nutritionist. So, <laughs> yeah. So I am a big fan of instead of thinking about logically, I eat these foods, I, I don't eat these foods, I eat these portions, I eat these macros, whatever. How many nutrients can you get into your day as possible? Mm. So maybe you get a bunch of seeds and avocado and sauerkraut and farm fresh eggs and this, and you're just looking to add as many nutrients to your food as possible while obviously also getting protein yeah. and carbs and fat, which is pretty simple to figure out, oh, I can have an avocado, I can have a piece of, or I can have some eggs and I can have uh, these vegetables and this fruit or sauerkraut or whatever. Right. So what I found is that when people are so strict like that, strict with portions, strict with what they bring in, they get hungry because they are, like you said, nutrient depleted. So if you can just start adding as many nutrients and adding as much variety and making it as colorful as possible, one, you can actually make it taste so much better and so much more fun, but two, your body's getting a more of a variety of nutrients. So in that way, but also when you're learning to tap into, oh, it felt really good when I ate that meal or, oh, I added, and this happened with me actually, when I figured out with bread, oh, I added bread to this meal when I usually have it without bread and with the bread, I felt so gross after and heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it turns out I have a gluten sensitivity, so I always get really <laughs> bloated and heavy after, turns but my body I have celiac disease and- right? <laughs> <laughs> But it's crazy because your body speaks to you when you learn to yeah. listen to it. Yeah, right? absolutely. Absolutely. So it's tapping in. How did I feel after I ate that meal, adjusting for different things and just starting to notice being really mindful and intentional and not just that, but eating frequently throughout the day. So the second you get hungry and I actually use a hunger scale with a lot of my clients who have a hard time with this is I show them a scale and it's got numbers one through 10 and 10 is like really full. One is I'm dying. I'm so freaking hungry. And I just have them start to rate themselves throughout the day and just constantly tapping in. Do I feel hungry? Do I feel full? Or sometimes, and if they are hungry, eat, like eat, notice when you're full, stop. Uh, Sometimes people just don't want, here's a part where if people if anyone's thinking right now, yeah, like I could do that, but what if I want cake or I want this or whatever, when you're eating enough nutrients, a lot of the cravings go away Mm. because your body is craving because it's missing stuff. And you're used to eating cake when that happens. So you'll go to eat cake, but you'll still feel like crap afterwards. In fact, you'll you'll likely feel sick. Um, So that's, that's one way that might uh, help people who just want cake during the day. But another thing is, we're afraid to feel our feelings. It goes back to, we're so in our left brain. We think we can bulldoze through things. We can just eat cake to make us feel better sometimes. And I think food is a really great opportunity to try doing this. You have to sit and feel your feeling and what sitting and feeling your feeling can look like is 
Even if you're bored, for example, how can you breathe through the boredom? And as you're breathing through the boredom, bring more joy into your life. So I like going on walks in the woods, right? And it's not to avoid eating. It's to breathe into my body. And when thoughts pop up, I just keep breathing into my body. And when I get to a neutral place, that's when I start bringing in what I want to think. So maybe I'm walking through the woods and I think it's so beautiful in here. I'm so grateful I live in the woods. I'm so grateful that it's summertime and you start to retrain that feeling and then you don't want the cake anymore. And it's not because you avoided it. It's because you felt your feeling. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, cake, like people make such a big deal about it. You know, I used to, I've always eaten really healthy. Like ever since high school, I've been kind of on a similar journey. I wasn't overweight, but I became obsessed with, I mean, I probably had body dysmorphia, you know, like flexing in the gym and having abs. And and I know I had body dysmorphia because it was like, I want to be bigger or whatever. And uh, so I started really digging into diet and I was like on the fat free craze because I was in high school. Like what else did I know? And um, then I, of course, eventually found the paleo diet and got into that whole world. But I've been on this journey this my whole life and now I don't eat junk food and make myself feel bad for it. Like if there's a delicious piece of cake, like there's this one restaurant we go to back in when I'm, when we're home in Pittsburgh and it has the best homemade cheesecake. Am I going to whip myself for that cheesecake? No, of course not. Like that is not listening to what's happening. In fact, if you're going to eat that cheesecake, lick the spoon, lick the plate, indulge. You are you are allowing yourself to be nourished not just you know not physically it's it's junky but you're you're allowing your emotional body to get mm-hmm. to just spread its wings and be like oh this is so freaking good like if you're gonna have it have it don't go the don't i, I mean I, you know, people have like all these different recipes of you know almond flour on this like if you're gonna have cake have cake have cake the way you want it don't play this little game of cat and mouse where you're like well i can have cake because it's healthy cake like that's not tapping into what your body is telling you to eat. On the other hand, if you're craving cake, stop and listen. Like you just had cake. Are you sure you want more cake or is this something deranged in your metabolism that's telling you you need to eat more sugar? And and that's where like the health coaching and everything comes into play. But gosh, just stopping and asking myself, what does my body need right now? Is probably enough for most people to stick to a diet, but that's not really what people were taught. They're they're shamed like you were at fat camp <laughs> for eating too much, not moving and moving too little, and and that's obviously not the way to go forward. That's why people end up with these yo-yo diets. And like you even said, after a year of dieting, they may be successful and they fall hard off the wagon because nobody's really talking about this intuitive process of what is your body craving? Is it not even food? Is it water? That's an attribute to your coaching that is really. Um, I think very powerful because you can apply it to any aspect in your life, right? Like, am I really craving this, this activity or do I need to mix it up a little bit? You know, I was told that bench press is really good, but is my body telling me that I need to actually work something else, you know, and it's simple, but it's also an extra step, I think, for people to, to engage in, in lifestyle practice. Yeah. I was going to say, I believe nourishment is this deeper feeling, right? It doesn't come from the left brain and nourishing nourishment can come from yes, physical nourishment. And that's really great to focus on and how you want to feel physically. But when you become physically nourished, Mm. it's also okay to become nourished in a really fun way, right? To be nourished and eat cake. And here's the thing is when you learn to tap into your body and how your body feels truly, you actually don't crave the cake all the time. 
time as much. And Mm. that's why when you do go to eat the cake, there is no guilt because it's your body is just craving the, let's say the, I don't know how you even call it. could be mental nourishment. It's not avoiding your feelings. It's checking in with, would I feel really cozy and satisfied after? So for example, if it's the winter time and it's snowing a lot one day and you know, I'm, I eat very well and I'm at the grocery store and I see an organic cheesecake and I think, oh, this would make my night really fun and cozy to eat a cheesecake. I'm going to eat the cheesecake because that nourishes my soul too. And I think that's also a very yeah. important part. Because yeah. when we tell people they can't have things, I mean, it's just human nature. That's when you have a problem. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I mean, it's, and that's probably what, for parents out there listening it's like your kid is 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 wanting to eat this candy. Why does your kid want to eat that candy? Is this kid eating out of a source of stress? Maybe it's some stressors on them that we're not even tapping into. Like what is the the why behind some of these these behaviors? I think that's really important. There's a study I, when you talked about kids, I was this is pretty interesting. Um I got into intuitive eating books after I found intuitive eating because I didn't know I found intuitive eating. And then someone told me that's what I was doing. So I found this book and I learned about a study that they did with a bunch of kids and they put a bunch of kids in a room and they had, I think they were, they stayed at this place for a week or something and they put candy all like all day for the first day or for the first couple days. And Oh, I actually think the whole room had candy and it had fruit. So it was one side of the room was all candy. The other side was, you know, healthy whole foods. So the first couple of days or even the first day, the kids gorge on candy and they eat all of the candy. (laughs) Of course they do. (laughs) Right. And then the rest of the week, they don't touch the candy. They go to the whole foods. They choose the whole foods on their own. And it's really fascinating. It's because they were given all of the options, told they could have anything they want. And they naturally realized, I feel like crap when I eat this much candy. And now I want to eat all of these nourishing foods where I feel great. Oh, yeah. That actually brought something up for me. When I was a kid, we had a, an entire drawer, like a deep drawer that had fruit snacks, gummy bears, gummy worms, Twizzlers. Like It was a pile of candy in a drawer. And we could take whatever we wanted. Now, I don't think that that's what my parents intended. They just wondered, why do I have to buy fruit snacks every single week? Like, these things are going fast. They didn't restrict us on that. We had a whole refrigerator in the garage filled with sodas, as did all of our friends. Like, this is just the lifestyle we had. Now, granted, we were also running around in the woods for five hours a day because we didn't have video games or phones at that point. Um, We weren't doing TikTok dances. We were like chasing squirrels with pine cones. And that burns off a lot of the calories. It doesn't necessarily mean that our moods were best. I I think we were probably pretty temperamental kids because we're eating so much candy. But people were like, how do you eat so healthy now? Like your parents must have really encouraged you to eat vegetables. And I was like, I don't think I ever ate a vegetable until I was maybe 12. I mean, it was forced on me and I got it through pizza. So it was like later on that I was like, man, I've, I've had access to everything I've ever wanted. What do I want now? And that's, I think, what actually helped me embark on my own journey. Now, that's not going to work for every child in every family situation. My parents were also very supportive and, and valued my freedom as a kid to make my own decisions, make my own mistakes. But I was talking to Tosh Kingsbury, who's um, Kyle Kingsbury's wife, and we were I don't think we talked about it on the podcast, but I was just visiting Austin, and um, she was talking about how back in Halloween— that, you know, they want to go trick-or-treating, but it's not like parents in the neighborhood are handing out celery sticks. They're handing out huggies and they're handing out juice boxes and they're handing out 
you know, everything that you find in Halloween bags. <laughs> so they, they would bring it back home and dump it out. And then they were able to keep like certain things. And then the rest of them, they had to give away for the, the, the witch, witch, um, the switch, witch, which was going to replace the unhealthy stuff with health, their health, their favorite healthy snacks. Right. But they did get to keep a portion of candy. And Tosh described how Bear, their oldest of the two kids, he was um, maybe five or so around this time. He was determined to eat a plate of candy for breakfast. And Tosh thought about it and like her intuition said, let's let him have whatever he wants. And so he was like, really? I can eat, I can just have candy for breakfast? And she was like, yeah, go for it. And he got like five seconds into snarfing candy and eventually was like, I need some liverwurst or something. I don't know if I really like this. But because you gave him the 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 license to feel into that, it really did shift something for him. So this is no different. Like this programming starts when we're kids and we're never really taught to, to be guided by our intuition until later when they find you in your retreat and they're like, oh, wow, this isn't as hard as I thought. I just haven't been listening. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's so important to start that young, right? Because you're allowing kids to make decisions for themselves and build that self-trust because then they start to feel certain things like bear did. And then he didn't want to eat the candy again. Right. Right. It's because he was able to, he didn't have that muscle trained in his body yet, you know? And so she gave him the opportunity to train that muscle of checking in with how he feels. And he'll likely remember that time going forward. So when he just like makes decisions going forward, he can remember, I felt like crap when I eat candy. And that's what I see happens with people uh, nowadays. So I talked about One way, I think I talked about this when we recorded before, but for stopping binging, one way you can stop binging is just eat all the nutrients you need to eat and then eat every time you're hungry. Another way Mm. is to feel your feelings and to stop stuffing your feelings with food and to sit there, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I had one more way and I'm drawing a blank. The third way. Oh, the third way is to allow them to have the food and allow them to go crazy on the food and then they won't want it anymore because we remember that feeling. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. As long as we're paying attention Mm -hmm. and we're not just snuffing out and distracting ourselves from our emotions. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, that's awesome. That that is really great. Did you want to add something more about that part? Well, that's why I think it's so important to make the pendulum swing away from science and the studies as much and just keep checking in with your body throughout the day in everything that you do. The more you do that, you'll build that intuitive muscle and it'll just be something you start to do. It won't, yeah. it, it will be something that you can't ignore because it's just something you do. So I would say to anyone listening, if it seems, it feels really hard for you to be intentional with your eating and you feel like you're just mindlessly going throughout the day, just, just start with one thing a day. Even if it's just with your food, just make a commitment and start tapping into how your body feels when you do certain things, when you're with certain people, when you eat certain things and, and remember that, remember how your body felt. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There are these um, spiritual exercises from Rudolf Steiner that I've also found very, very helpful. And it really helps the brain. Uh, and, and again, well, I know we're not talking about the brain, but the brain, of course, the mental and emotional bodies are connected. And you can do incredibly powerful things with your brain for better or for worse in your health. And his spiritual exercises are all about focusing the brain on being able to visualize. 
you know, one of the exercises is, you know, find a time where you're clear headed and spend five minutes thinking about a very simple object, like a pencil, just imagine a pencil. And that is a part of, I think, training the brain to not be distracted away from the attunement with your emotional body, with your heart, for lack of better terms, as to how does this feel to you? Because those mental processes can also override that, you know, and, and, and vice versa. So there's a whole bunch of these types of exercises that I think are so critical as a part of a comprehensive lifestyle coaching plan. And, uh, and I, I hope that people who are listening are just understanding that, yes, there's a lot of data out there, like you said. And yes, we can go to school for all of these years, but we still have to come home, even as health coaches, very healthy people. And we still are faced with those exact same dilemmas. It doesn't matter how much you know. It's really a matter of, of training some of these tools and becoming attuned with who we are and where we're going. So I appreciate that, Rachel. I appreciate what you do. It's interesting what you just mentioned, too. There's actually a way to train your psychic senses, I've learned, that I do. Sometimes I've learned it through the mystery school. Uh, if you just whatever psychic sense you want to develop, if it's hearing or seeing or, or uh, smelling or tasting or whatever, um, let's say it's seeing you can, if you stare at an object for 11 minutes a day and just stare at all of the crevices of it and memorize it in your mind's eye, it will strengthen that psychic sense. So you can, so going forward, you'll be able to pull up images in your mind much faster because you're practicing with objects. Mm. It's the same thing with hearing. If you close your eyes and expand your hearing as far as you can and do your best to hear as far out as you can, you will start to develop that psychic hearing sense. Yeah. Um, so there's different things people can do. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Oh man. That's probably a whole separate conversation uh, yeah. you know, for another day, <laughs> but yeah, you know, like this, the exercises I was referring to, like those are, it's all a part of the same embodiment of of this sort of practical way to get your, to attune your organism with the greater field so that you can have some of these incredible insights. And that, when we talk, you know, we're talking about manifesting, becoming attuned with the field and with, and you being a part of that field, that's actually like, that is kind of at the crux of spirituality. Like these people, these ascended masters and whatnot, were not just eating grass-fed beef and sitting on the top of a mountain meditating. They were actively working on attuning their senses beyond just the obvious table in front of you and the, you know, the <laughs> nutrition label on the back of the, the, the can of food or whatever. So maybe we'll link some of that stuff uh, in, the, in the show notes so people can get an, an idea. Where was it that you did a, the mystery school? Like, how did you train, train there? Ryan and I did it together, actually. So there, Boston has one of the largest modern mystery schools. We originally learned about it through Gaia uh, because they have a whole mystery school section. Oh, yeah. so, we uh -huh. look, so we looked up mystery schools around the country and found, oh, Boston's got one of the largest ones. So we found a mentor. Uh, we started with getting a life activation, which was life-changing for me. And then we went through all these different rituals and initiations. And so we started the path through them. Whoa. Are you in any mystery school? I'm not. I feel like my life is a mystery though. And <laughs> some of these things are very mysterious. Um, and a lot of my friends have gone that, that path at 
it's uh, it's the occult sciences are super interesting to me. I, I actually was just accepted into anthroposophic medicine training, which will be my third board specialty. Not that like we need to collect them any longer, but it's such a subtle art, this anthroposophic medicine. And of course, through the lens of Rudolf Steiner, it in and of itself is kind of like a mystery school based on what I understand of the mystery schools, because it's it's really like, we're not just measuring blood pressure and whatnot. We're going to hold a person's arm and see how the weight of their arm changes as we're sitting with it and talking to them. And that can tell us about the tension in their body, perhaps something more energetic. I know that that's not a mystery school teaching, but as I start to uncover these layers coming from the truly classical scientific worldview, what you are learning in the mystery schools is so many layers you know, un- unwrapped already that I'm, I'm kind of like easing my feet into those waters. Um, but sitting with birth and death, as we've discussed, like I, I'm experiencing things that I don't have a scientific way to understand. So just feeling into that and observing and just holding space for it, but also just taking it for what it is. This is what my experience. And I'm going to have to put that in my knapsack and carry forward with that. It's, you can't unsee the man behind the curtain, you know? So, so maybe I'll, something I will pursue myself. <laughs> Yeah, I would say the mystery school helped me be even more present because I got a reading after my life activation. Yeah. And she reads based on whatever's relevant to you. And one of the things she read to me was she's like, I see an alpha chimp. He's leading a pack of alpha chimps walking through the forest and he looks back and he's not thinking he's just focused on the the distance and everything clears out and he is just so present. And she, she, that, that was like a lesson she gave to me. And so after that, I put all of my possible intention on keeping presence. And that's when a lot of things in my life shifted. And when I was able to get even more into my body and even more into my intuition and, um, like the buzzing in my body, like the anxiety that comes often in my body just completely dissipated away. I really believe if everyone just practiced presence and put it as their intention all day long, their life would change. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, that is like 50% of the battle. Mm-hmm. Well, Rachel, thank you so much. I feel like there were other things that that we wanted to chat about. We're already at an hour. Uh, maybe we'll just have to do a, a part two and get into some of the mystery teachings as well. All right. Where can people find you? How can they, are, do you have, are you, do you have any retreats coming up? Let's talk about that first. I do. So my next retreat is in Hawaii this December and it's my longest retreat yet. So every time after a retreat, I send out a feedback form and I always ask, what is there something you wish there was more of on the retreat? And every single person, every single time says time. And so this one's about a third longer. It's a full eight days or how's it work? Yeah. Eight days, seven nights. And we're going to be on the big Island of Hawaii. I have my same chef come in. Um, we're going to be on the beach side. We're going to be doing all the things that I talked about in here, really tapping into your intuition, um, forming really deep lifelong connections with other women. I can say that women from every retreat still hang out and talk and they even send each other gifts, uh, from Etsy. I've seen them like posts and I think it's so cute. So (laughs) (laughs) my next one's in December. And that's in my link tree on my Instagram, which I think you also have, that's going to be in the show notes too. So you can find me on Instagram. If you want to learn more about the goddess getaway Hawaii, that's what I call it. You can go into my link tree and check it out. And we're going to be having a lot of fun. I also have a photographer who comes every time. So we're really cool. And we have little photo shoots and 
you know, we get to be girly. So that's amazing. And what's your Instagram handle just for anybody who wants to find you and reach out for more info? It's at Rachel underscore Veritimos. I also have a mastermind that I do called the goddess mind. So if you're interested in that, my next mastermind is going to start after my Hawaii retreat. So if anyone comes to my Hawaii retreat and they want to roll in and keep the magic going for another four months, um, you can also go to the retreat and then be in the goddess mind. I have a lot of girls who have been in my previous retreat in my mastermind now called the goddess mind. Um, so it's, it's a fun little way you can continue the party and continue to manifest things into your life. And I do one-on-one coaching as well. And and this is only for women, right? It's just a female, female retreat. Okay. So it's Mm -hmm. one of those slivers in our society where women can be a amongst women and feel completely confident and comfortable that the, mm-hmm. that the patriarchy is not weighing in on how they share and what they can and can't do. And that sounds awesome, Rachel. That's, mm-hmm. that sounds like an amazing opportunity. I hope people will find you. And, um, any final thoughts that you want to share? Hmm. My dream, my goal is for people to trust themselves to really, if you take away anything from this podcast, I know you're listening to this podcast because you're wanting to get information, but you've got enough information. Yeah. You can listen to this podcast. Obviously it's a great podcast to <laughs> listening, but you have enough information. If all you do today was just keep checking in with your body and asking yourself, how would it feel if I did this? And when you ask yourself that it's not, how did I feel in the process of doing this? How would you feel after you did this? Yeah. And just keep imagining, keep checking into the feeling and following the feeling, take some risks, let go and trust, follow the feelings. You will build so much self-trust. The anxiety in your body will melt away. You'll feel more connected to yourself than ever. And you'll be more connected to other people in the universe than ever. Because when you build self-trust with yourself, it just exudes out. So I just, I really, really, really hope that if you're listening to this, you start that practice today. Yeah. We get so caught up in more certifications, more whatever. Like, when are you going to go out there and do the work? Like, when are you going to actually start doing this? It's almost like there's so much information that we become blinded to the process where it's like, you got to put your one step forward. You got to take a step forward and try this out. It's not, you're not lacking the books, the podcasts and everything else. Um, I do appreciate you pitching the podcast, but Mm-hmm. Well, I hope everybody will find you, Rachel. You're you're amazing. You're 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 an incredible coach. You also came from the Enlifted program. Uh, we didn't get to talk too much about that, but that sounds like a pretty unique sort of professional coaching program. That uh, you know, you don't speak about food and movement the way that many people do, where it's just like no pain, no gain. I think <laughs> it's a very healthy uh, mm-hmm. uh, attribute that you have as a coach. Yeah. The Unlifted program is so cool because instead of getting out of your head with working out, they tell you to get into your body and Mm. notice how things feel. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I even started doing that with working out and my workouts became so much more efficient. I gained so much more muscle. I mean, people do yoga, but you don't have to just do it in yoga. You can do it when you're lifting weights as well. So yeah, so important. Well, thank you, Rachel. Um, I'm sure we'll be in touch when I'm in Massachusetts. I'll visit you guys and give you much needed hugs and hugs and kisses. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I, I appreciate your patience with this one. Uh, we initially recorded the entire interview, and then there was a, I looked at my device, and it said there was a right error, and the entire interview that we had recorded was erased. So, um, 
Rachel, I apologize. I think we gave it our best shot to re-record the magic. Um, and maybe we'll just have to do a part two. The first time we did it, it was just so, it just flew, flowed so nicely. But, you know, sometimes those things happen. The universe has other plans. So thank you for your patience with this one, guys. You can find Rachel at all of the links. Um, she also has a podcast. It's called um, Breakthroughs for Breakfast. It's a little bit of a tongue twister. Um, you can find her at rachelveratimos.com, R-A-C-H-E-L-V-A-R-I-T-I-M-O-S.com. I'll link it in the show description here. And um, she is uh, she is in all of the, she does all of the social media, Instagram, and all those other things. We'll link all of that in the show description. Thank you so much, Rachel. Um, I also have to say that when po- sponsors heard that Rachel was coming on the show, they were like, oh, we want to we want to be on that episode. So <laughs> I let my sponsors pick, if they choose, um, to pick which guests they sponsor. So um, Terra & Co. is definitely one of those companies. So so speaking of our sponsors, go to Bioptimizers, Holistic. It's, it's uh, magbreakthrough.com slash Holistic OBGYN. You'll save money on their Mag Breakthrough to get your best night's sleep ever. If you buy three bottles or more, you're going to get some extra goodies to help benefit your gut health, which is intimately linked to the quality of your sleep. I, I don't think it goes without saying, or it, I think it goes without saying, excuse me. We also have Organifi. I'm recommending Organifi Gold as your night cap instead of a glass of wine. Try um, mixing up a scoop of their gold, which has turmeric, has a bunch of other adaptogenic mushrooms, and all of these other natural ingredients. Um, comes from the best source, glyphosate-free, GMO. Uh, non-GMO, organic, you name it. Drew Canole has pulled out no stops in order to give you the best product possible. Put in a tablespoon or so of heavy coconut cream and blend it up and you're going to find yourself sipping on the most delicious cinnamon-laden latte. It'll help you ease into sleep, you know, right before you take your mag breakthrough. And then lastly, Terranco, they make a, they have a, an Ayurvedic a dental care line, including toothpaste, oil pool, floss, and tongue scrapers. I highly recommend, I don't think I'm ever going to switch off of this company. I use their green oil pool and their charcoal toothpaste every single morning. And as long as my dentist is like, damn boy, you're doing good. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Whatever works is, is what you should do. So go to Taring Co. Use code BELOVED15 if you'd like to save some money there. Uh, the link for Organifi was Organifi.com slash beloved. And I will put all of that in the show description. Remember, everything here on the on the show is educational. If you want actual medical advice, you want to work with me on any level, go to belovedholistics.com. Join my private association. I work in the private. I don't I don't listen to the government, you know, legislators, the policymakers, the insurance companies, medical administrators. I'm working with you. That's why it's called a private contract. So once you join that, it's a forty three dollar annual donation to my PCA. You will have access to one off consultations, buying a package of time with me joining my collaborator if you're a midwife, health coach, tech practitioner, any other type of doctor that'd like to have an MD consultant who um, in, in your on your care team that that really, you know, thinks outside the box and considers all of the precious energetic bodies in addition to the physical body. I've got a lot of, of really great people in the program and I'm accepting about twenty six more people. So you can find all of that at belovedholistics.com. I also have a newsletter, which I'm I'm really proud about. It's like a little insight into my personal life and products that I've found helpful in keeping myself, my family, my friends, my clients healthy. And then lastly, the best, another great way to support the podcast is go to that super computer in your pocket, go to Spotify or iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts, 
leave a review. You don't even have to write anything. Although if you do, I'll, I'll, you know, leave like a little winky eye there because I'll know it's, you know, coming from somebody that I know. That's awesome. But you can just go and leave five stars. Believe it or not, the algorithms for how podcasts are ranked and how you find podcasts and, and your podcast gets exposure is based on this dinky algorithm that only considers how many five-star reviews you have. So please go and leave, uh, and, and, uh, leave some love there. If you um, have Instagram or TikTok, I'm at Nathan Riley OBGYN. I'm going to get my wife to manage a TikTok sort of calendar, and we're going to actually start pumping out some stuff there because more people than I expected have asked me to do TikTok, and I don't really even understand it. It seems like everybody on there is like the median age is probably like 24, so I will do my best. I'm going to try to do this, give the fans what they want. Um, <laughs> so stay tuned for that. If you're not on TikTok and you don't know what TikTok is, you're not don't worry about it. That message is not for you. My next episode is is uh, 88. It is with Christiane Northrup, y'all. We're going to be talking about her book, The Wisdom of Menopause. I was so stoked to meet Christiane. She is just a such a gem, such a controversial, but she's been controversial since the very beginning of her career. And what, we, what she says in the very beginning of the episode is that when she started doing what I'm doing now, she felt like she was walking through the woods in the dark blindfolded. And now my generation and, and maybe even previous generations have started to put up benches and lining the sidewalks with, with lights and, and really making it a comfortable place. So we're, uh, we, we're all very, very grateful, I think, that Christian Northrup, who's an OBGYN, um, just like me, has, uh, has, been, has found her voice in the world and has continued to write and to just be out there and being herself, you know, standing in her truth. So I look forward to seeing you in a couple days on episode 88 of this very podcast, The Holistic OBGYN. I'm Nathan Riley, MD. I will see you guys soon. Take care. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina. Alza la frente en alto.